Welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you're not familiar with the Inside Scoop, it's a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available if their child lived in another city around the world. And this week we traveled to Amsterdam and I interviewed a wonderful young Dutch international or former Dutch international by the name of Laura Dury. And Laura's story was interesting because she played um, uh, football at every level throughout the Dutch system, grassroots. She played in the regional uh, national teams and made it all the way up to the national team. And oh, by the way, you can sprinkle IX Academy and IX professional team um, in the mix. So I encourage you to check that podcast out. And her story also shows that there's more than one way to skin a cat. So check that podcast out and let me know what you think on the Anytime Soccer Facebook group. If you're not familiar with Anytime Soccer Training, it's a web application, mobile friendly, that houses well over 101 fun soccer games and 1v1 battles, as well as a, over a thousand training videos that are step-by-step -step and 100% follow along. And as an aside, you know, when we, when I design Anytime Soccer Training, and work with folks to design it and lay it out. I did it very specifically for parent trainers. So you can say, you know, I'm a parent trainer. It was created for parent trainers by parent trainers that very specifically did that. And if you use the application and then you try to use other applications, I think you're gonna see um, why and how Anytime soccer training facilitates and solves a problem that many of us have. And I use a lot of different stuff, so it's not a knock on anything else, but you will quickly see, yeah, I understand. Yep, I know exactly what he why he did it this way. What that look in the in the problem we're trying to solve is how do you teach your child self-determination and autonomy through the lens of gaining greater skill in soccer, right? And the first thing you gotta do is create a program or implement a program that allows them to take ownership of their own training. Next thing you gotta do is have a program that's engaging, that has some fun with the understanding it's not gonna be 100% fun 100% of the time. And you have to have a format that allows them to develop in a progressive way and it not overwhelm them at first. And that's why all the videos, most of the videos are between four and five minutes and have frequent breaks. And they have one move per video, no more than two moves per video to allow your child to train on their own in an autonomous way where all you have to do is give some coaching tips. So if you haven't uh, checked it out, go to anytime-soccer.com uh, and join the mailing list. We'll send you seven free, uh, you can take the seven day uh, ball mastery challenge. And you also can join the application for free. And why did I go on and on about the um, autonomous? Because any, being autonomous and not allowing them to progress at their own pace and being followed along and not being too overwhelming. Why did I do all that? Because it's not really about anytime soccer training. It's about a way of thinking that I'm trying to get 
our parent trainers to buy into. And I know it's so novel and so unique that at times it can be hard. And so that's that's a good segue into the purpose of this particular podcast. So this podcast is going to be half rant and half me just begging you to heed the warnings um, um, that I'm going to share that are not based on science, not based on um, some superior intellect. They're based on trial with a small t and error with a biggie. They're based on my son's crying. They're based on me getting upset. They're based on my son saying, dad, we can't, we can't do it this way. Got to figure something else out, verbally and non-verbally, right? It's based on every time I go to the soccer pitch, I overhear a frustrated child and a frustrated parent. That's what this podcast is about today. Uh, and so if you don't work with your child, you can just hit skip and go to the next one. If you're not on that daily grind with your child, you can hit skip and go to the next one. If your theory of change, if you will, is just to play with them and let them figure it out on their own, this particular podcast is probably not um, particularly going to be particularly interesting to you. But if you believe, you know, deliberate practice has to be part of the mix. If you believe you can't outsource 100% of your child's development to someone else, if you believe that you can't free play yourself, your, yourself to mastery, right? If you believe uh, that you got to work hard in order to get some of the, the gains and, 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 and enjoyment that you want, if you believe all that kind of stuff, but you're also struggling with the balance of making it de uh, developmentally appropriate, then these tips may or may not, can't promise it, help you. So here we go. So in a previous podcast, I said, I'm going to breeze through this really quickly. There are, there are areas that the parent is uniquely uh, suited, uniquely qualified, and a unique advantage to help their child. And not only are they in a unique advantage and suited to help their child in these areas, they are the only ones who can do it because they are standing in for the individual until the individual can do it themselves. And I'm going to go through these brief quickly. If you haven't listened to that podcast, I encourage you to, and even I encourage you to listen to it. And even if you have, I encourage you to go back and re-listen to it. I actually did that myself, just to remind myself of what I said. So you are at a unique advantage to give your child maximum repetitions. Okay. But the key to that, and this is where I, anytime soccer tries to add value, but you don't need that, but you do, I do recommend the following. The key to those repetitions is being as efficient as possible. So when I do a training session with my sons and a training session with the kids I train, we probably get well over four times more training, uh, more touches than they do in a traditional team environment or with other trainers. And I'm not boasting. I'm just a process guy. And I, and I can see that. And the reason they can get so many more touches is because we have a process where they don't have to ask a lot of questions. And I don't have to do a lot of coaching individually because it goes in a progressed step-by-step -step way. And also, I know what is coming up next. They know what's coming up next. And the format is consistent. Are there trade-offs with that? Yes. And we're going to talk about some of those. But they get so if I got 10 minutes before school, my son can get a thousand touches and be out of the door, not thinking anything of it. You are at a unique position to help them with aerial control, right? And we're going to talk about uh, uh, some stuff and dealing with aerial control a little bit later. 
But suffice to say, they don't get enough of it in team training, but this is extremely important, right? I'm breezing through these quickly. You are at a unique position to help them develop their weak foot. No one is going to do it but you. And then no one is going to do it ultimately, except for the individual. And that's another reason why um, our video sequences, we work on one foot at a time. So you work on one move, but also one foot. So if you're doing a rebounder series, the first move, the first drill is one touch off your with your right foot. And then the next video is one touch with your left foot. And I did that intentionally because I didn't want dad to be the one to tell my son, you got to use your non-dominant foot. I wanted the program to do it. So regardless of what you, regardless of what you do, you should have almost a um, singular focus on developing their weak foot. That is where you can get, they're going to get them a huge amount of gains. gains. So if you got a kid is getting four times more reps regardless of what program you use you got a kid that's masterful in the air and let me and let me define that like when my son was maybe nine ten two three thousand times he could juggle no problem they're masterful in the air can juggle any parts of the foot any maneuver you want can control the ball with any part of the um, body in the game out of game opposed unopposed masterful in the air and then can use either foot. And I, and I said this, I shared a video that my, my older one, the other parents, they thought he was two-footed. I'm sorry, they thought he was left-footed for years until he got old enough to shoot more from distance and then they realized he was right-footed. Now, two honorable mentions that I didn't say in the last podcast that I'll throw out there is that we're in a unique position to help them develop a growth mindset. Now, a parent can't take them but so far, okay? But they spend the majority of the time with us, especially during those foundation phase. So how do we how we react to things? How do we help them process information? How we help them think about adversity and advantages, not advantages, but um, good things really does help develop their mindset. My son, if my son doesn't make the quote unquote goal team. How do I react? Do I say good? Then I have no you have no problem meeting me on the training pitch tomorrow because you obviously see you get better. Or do I rail about? you know, the unfair selection process of the, of the team. I have a choice, you know, and I think the choice is obvious, which one that if you want to develop a growth mindset, you're going to focus on. And then the details. Another thing is, as a parent, you have a unique opportunity when practical to get into a level of detail that they just can't get when they're in a team environment. And we're going to talk about that, what that detail might look like. For me anyways, and then hopefully for you in a practical sense later on. Now, moving along quickly, you are at a unique disadvantage to do certain things. Number one, your child knows you. Your child spends so much time with you and there's the parent-child dynamic. So you are at a unique disadvantage to motivate them in the short term. Right. So there's not enough stickers in the world. <laughs> there are not enough, even though anytime soccer training has a lot of races and chasing, there are just not enough races in the world that I can do that's going to motivate my child to, to be on this daily grind they need to really be good at the, at the game they say they love. Right. So at some point, I got to figure out what is the law, what is the way to motivate them long term. Right. Now, and I always joke, I can hire a trainer, pay him $40, $50, $60 an hour, and whatever he or she tells my son, child to do, boom, they're going to knock it out. But that's going to cost me, and it's not practical. Is that trainer going to come to my house and do a 
you know, a five minute juggling routine? Pro probably not. It's not practical. So I got to figure out a way to motivate them long term. And the analogy I use, and I use this with one of my clients, is uh, I, as a trainer, am the um, uh, starter in your car. I'm the starter. So I can give them that ignition, ignition, ignition. I can't say it, ignition. So boom, I'm the starter. But you are the fuel, you are the gas, you're the maintenance, you're all that other stuff that they need in order to do this long-term. And if you just rely on me, then yeah, they're gonna come home hype and they're gonna do what I'm saying. They're gonna do what I asked them to do at home at first. But if you just rely on me, then eventually that battery is gonna die and you're gonna be back to a car that doesn't move. And so you have to give that constant fuel, but just like a car, you know, you can't overdo it. If you go too fast, you're going to have a car wreck. If you go too long, the car is going to break down. If you don't do daily maintenance and daily checks, the car will eventually break down. So you got to, you have to maintain that level of motivation uh, the way you maintain a car. And that then goes back into the mindset. So uh, what I did to effectively motivate my oldest son, and I'm working with my younger son, is develop a way of thinking where he sees and understands what I'm trying to do. And that's part of the motivation behind creating these podcasts. So if you want to motivate somebody to grow, develop a growth mindset, because you can't motivate somebody without a growth mindset through stickers and rewards and V books and trips out. These are short-term things. So sorry, I'm ranting, but I told you this is going to be half rant and I got to go somewhere. So I'm trying to be quick, half rant and half admonishment. So if you want to motivate your child, to grow, help them develop a growth mindset. And you are at a unique disadvantage to try to do anything with your child that re requires a team, right? And we're gonna talk about that uh, later, but it's very difficult to do that if it requires a team. And I'll give recommendations on what I did when my team, when my child's team fell short and what things I do, I have to do that in another podcast. But anything that requires a lot of people for you to try to implement, you're at a unique disadvantage to do it because wow, you gotta you gotta get these people together. And then if you're able to get five or six kids as a parent to meet your kid and do soccer, my strong recommendation is to let them play. Right. If they're already going to team training and then you're able to collect these other kids together to train with you, your child on another day, my strong recommendation is. A little bit of training, tiny bit of training, tiny, tiny bit of training, if you have to do it. And um, the other 90% of the time spend let, letting them play because life is just too short. And you are at a unique advantage, especially disadvantage, especially on the field. You are at a unique disadvantage to teach them anything that's abstract, anything that's not measurable, or anything that um, is advanced or anything where they have to mentally extrapolate or anything where you're trying to correct something that they did in the past, more of a visual type of thing, you are at a unique disadvantage to uh, help them with that. So an example might be, you know, um, hey, Adam, I want you to see the field more or something, I don't know. And so we're going to work on drills where you're checking over your shoulder constantly. You can do that. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Your child's not going to be a worse player because you do that. But, you know, 
you're just at a disadvantage to really implement that in a way that's really going to be lasting for that for them. And I'm going to give an example of what I'm talking about too. So I don't want to spoil it. So I was thinking about should I get an example now or later? I'll give you an example later. Okay, so we so we touched on areas that the parent trainer is at an advantage to do, and at the parent and where the parent trainer is at a disadvantage, and how that ties into how I design any time soccer training, but how that should tie into any program you decide to use, whether it be straight up old school like me, what I, like I used to do with pen and paper, any program you decide to use, if you're in this for the long haul. So not, oh, I'm going to train them today and we're not going to do it. I'm talking about they're, they're, they're six. Y'all going to be at this thing until they're 17. Okay, so that's kind of who this, this podcast is for. So then that brings me to the second part of the, the, the podcast. As parents, we have to remember that the coaching education is published by coaches, researchers, director of coaches, PhDs, um, publishing companies, or what you, you name it, the stuff you see on social media. We, as parents working with our children in the backyard, are not the target audience. And not only are we not the target audience for this material, in many cases, they have not considered our perspective. And when they do consider our perspective, it's still sort of from the perspective of us being stakeholders in the club environment. And there's nothing wrong with that because it's actually the right thing in many cases because they are publishing information to help other companies coaches deliver better training sessions, run better clubs and that kind of stuff. They are effectively trying to further the profession of coaching, not further the profession of working with your own child in the backyard. Why do I say all that? Because, it, because you know, as a parent listening to this content, yes, we have to take some, some grains of salt from it and take some inspiration from the stuff that they're saying. But we have to remember it doesn't apply to us in, the, in a like-for-like like manner. It would sort of be like if you are a, uh, um, if you're really interested in helping your child in education, you decide to listen to a teaching seminar you have to remember that the chief academic officer or the executive director who is coaching the teachers, they're not talking to you. They're not, they're talking about how to manage a classroom. They're not talking to you about how to get your child to do uh, homework when they're really tired or whatever. So that's the first thing that you need to understand. And the reason you need to understand that is because there are a set of assumptions that underlie their advice that um, are not the same assumptions that apply to us as a parent working with our own children or child at home. So for example, and you're gonna see where I'm going with this, when they publish this information, they're assuming 
that the reader, in most cases, another coach or volunteer, has access to a team, right? And even, and that means that even when they're talking about individual training, they're assuming that it's individual training within a team context. So for example, again, they will talk about progressions that are not going to be practical for the person who is working with their own child in the backyard because these progressions just won't be practical. They are also, when they say things like you got to keep it fun, they are assuming that you have many kids so you can do some competitions, you can, you can do you know, all these things that, uh, that are e games, all these things that are easier to do when you have a group. And so we just have to remember that that's an assumption that they're making, which rightly so. Why would you give somebody who has access to, you know, 20 kids advice on how to deal with one kid at a time, right? It just makes no sense. They also assume that there is an arm's length relationship between the instructor and the player, right? So that the, for all practical purposes, the coach is almost like a stranger. So the child, you know, it's not, you're not, you're on there, you're not dealing with your own child. They assume there's an arm's length uh, relationship and that the player has a high degree of reverence and respect. Now, of course, our children respect us to some degree, but you don't need to be a, a child psychologist to know that if I tell my son to run 50 yards, he's going to do a half speed. But if, if the coach tells him to do it, he's going to bust the gut to do it. And their assumption is that the relationship is one of a coach and player, not child, not parent and child. They also assume that this is not a daily grind for the coach. In other words, when the coach finishes with the team, um, they're pretty much done with interacting with that player until the next time they see them. Whereas with the parent and the child, you know, I train you and then I got to get you to do homework and then I got to get you to do this and I got to get you to do that. So the child is constantly hearing instructions from me all the time. The, the child is seeing my mistakes all the time. The child is seeing me argue with my wife or argue with my husband all the time. All that familiarity is built into getting them to do what you need to do in a training, training environment. And so a lot of this literature is assuming that you deal with the kid for an hour and a half, hour, and then you're, and then you're done. But it doesn't work that nice and neatly when you're training your own child. They also assume that there's an inherent conflict of interest between individual development and the team development. Therefore, a lot of this literature that they're providing to coaches is provided in a way to help the coach develop the skills needed to develop both the individual and the team. This is a skill set that the parent trainer doesn't necessarily need.
especially when you're just working with your own child. You have a you should you more than likely have a singular focus on the individual. And in addition to that, that means that the coach has to prioritize things that the parent trainer does not. So, you know, the coach has to say, well, we can only do a certain amount of individual training because there are other objectives within the entire curriculum that we got to get through. Which brings me to another point. They are assuming that there's a very finite amount of time that the coach is, has to implement an entire soccer curriculum, which means that they just can't spend too much time on one particular thing. We talked about the parent being able to go into the details, but you, you, you have an opportunity to be extremely patient with your child. I mean, I go on record to say, if they're in the foundation phase, for example, if you just worked on one move per month and you had a child over two years that offensively had mastery in 12 moves, you're good, right? If you worked on, if your, if your thing was, you know what, we're gonna spend 10 minutes working on one move and then we're gonna play for the rest of the time, man, you're good. The coach doesn't have this luxury. Another thing that this, um, um, the content and the instructions and the education is presented to the coaches in the coaching industry. Another assumption is that there are other stakeholders that, um, that are involved. So the coach has to manage the soccer curriculum. They got to manage the pay parents and they have to manage the different personalities of the players and the leagues and level competition and all of that. And I'm not saying they explicitly bake that into the curriculum, but that's sort of like an assumption is there. So, you know, for all practical purposes, um, when they talk about, you know, training in a, in a game-like uh, model or making something game-like, they're saying that because the ultimate goal is to play a game and you're gonna play a game pretty, pretty quickly. Where as the parent trainer, yes, we know that there are gonna be coaches working with our children who have to implement stuff for the game. And, and, but, but we have a unique opportunity to work on these very fine skills, balance, coordination, aerial control, weak foot, <clears throat> excuse me, that apply to the game but are so specific and so technically specific that you may not see it at first. So I say that to say, you know, an example might be is standing on one foot and hitting the ball back to me at the exact same place over and over again, it's gonna increase um, your first touch and your balance and your coordination. Can I say that that uh, relates directly to the game? Probably not. Even though I see my sons use aerial control all the time in a game, it's a stretch to say, boom, you do this and you do this. Or like when I watched the warm-ups in the NF in the NBA, I was watching the playoffs the, um, 
last, you know, when the playoffs happened. And Paul George started his warm-up shooting two feet in front of the basket. And I pointed out to my son, now is that game-like? No, but he's focused on something very specific, I'm assuming, because in the game, he's not going to shoot 52-foot jumpers. Okay, so you have this luxury and there are a set of they don't have, and there are a set of assumptions that they're making that just don't apply to us. So if you made it this far, thank you for listening to part of the rant. And now I'm gonna get to why I'm saying this. So so many parents that I work with, so many parents that I interact with online, so many parents that I observe quietly. consume themselves with information that's targeted towards the coaching profession and they and because they're consumed with that information they try to implement it at times in a like for like manner with their child and this leads to in many cases a high degree of frustration for the child and the parent as previously noted earlier and you don't move the needle as much as you can in terms of development. An analogy I would, I'm gonna use another analogy. You guys are probably tired of analogies. Analogy, let me, let me share a story. So oftentimes parents will come to me and they'll say stuff like, um, I, really want, I really wanna increase my child's vision. You know, in the games, they don't see this side of the pitch and they don't do this. And, there is so much complexity involved in those higher order skills. Like what is your, what's your child's vision? What decisions they are making? And it's so situational as well. It's situational in the sense that your child is seeing things. Believe it or not, your child has a view on things that you may not be aware of. So your child may say, yeah, I see um, Johnny wide open on the right, but Johnny, uh, loses the ball every time. So I'm not going to pass it to him. And yeah, I, it may look like I don't have vision, but I'm making a decision to do that. And as adults, sometimes we forget that we made those same decisions when we were kids. And then the coach is throwing stuff at them. So it's so much complexity. So if you come to someone like me as a trainer, or you try to do it yourself and say, well, I want to work on my child's vision. The analogy that I would use in an isolated situation, by the way, isolated training session, the analogy I would use would be like, um, you know, this is what I tend to do with parents. You can do this. Let's just walk in the middle of the soccer field. We're just going to walk down a pitch. And as we're walking down a pitch, I remind them that they're not constantly looking both ways. But then if we visualize, if we were going going to uh, walk across a busy highway, we would constantly looking, be looking both ways. And why is that? Because in the busy highway, we would see a clear and present danger. There would be, uh, there would be cars and people and, out, and, and dangers, and we would be forced to look both ways. So no matter how, if I'm on the soccer pitch, no matter how many times I beg you to keep looking both ways, it's artificial. You know it, and I know it. There's no real consequences. So as a parent trainer, when I work with my sons, yes, I do a few things here and there to, you know, make them aware of the habit of, of scanning and only to a very small amount. 
But the reality is that type of stuff can is really best implemented when you're in a team environment with other kids, with someone who respects them and creates drills where there are consequences when you don't do it. And then if you have to do it as a, as a parent, what I tend to do is because my boys watch the games so much is I point out in a joking way, the other players mistake. So if I'm watching a premiership game, I might pause it and say in a joking way. And I say that clearly because this is not a time to lecture. He's just enjoying the game. And he hates when I pause it anyway. I'm like, it's on DVR. And I'll say, look, he could have done this and he could have done that. And in mine are young. So I'm not even making an official recommendation on how much that's going to help them, but I'll do that. What I don't do is try to incorporate too much of this stuff in the individual training session because it's so artificial and it takes away from those areas that I am more suited to, um, more and more suited to, uh, 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 to help with, which are the repetitions and the aerial control. And what else did I say? Um, obviously, and then using the weaker foot. So instead of working so much on quote unquote vision for my son, and this is what we, we get into the details, an example would be I'm working on him making the perfect first touch. No, oh, sorry, one touch pass. We use the videos. You can use whatever you want. Hundred a hundred times. I, you know, perfect weight, perfect distance, perfect placement, perfect body positioning, perfect everything else, because. In a team environment, they don't have time to do that. They're not going to get into that, that level of detail. And that's the level of detail that you as a parent can get into. So not only are we working on one move, but if I am inclined to give them some instruction, which I try not to do for the most part, but I have to do this when they first start, I'm breaking those moves down into micro components and making sure they have that. And your team just doesn't have time to do that. Then that brings me to another point. But if you do have to, you know, you feel like, man, my um, team, I'm just not getting what I need from the team. My first advice is to find another club. But if that's not practical, what I do, and I actually don't recommend this, but my son plays in another a, a Spanish league. And I worked it out with the coach where he only goes to the games. Now it helps that he's really, really good, you know, and they need him on this team and, and they want to win. But also culturally, many of the kids play for other teams and they know they're getting their training, but they want to play. It's almost like little friendlies. They want to play on the weekends uh, in additional games. And, and even with this, I don't go there with my son, but sometimes I will explain to him, Hey, guy, hey uh, Adam, in addition to being fun, there are a few things that I want you to work on in this environment that you're not, that I'm not able to get you to work on in your real club environment. So an example for my son would be uh, uh, attacking the space behind the player, which is a fancy way of saying 1v1. So at his stage of the game, he should be able to beat any individual player that's close to his age in a 1v1 situation before he releases the ball. This is very difficult for me to do in a club environment. And I don't sit to his real club environment. And I don't say anything to him specifically about what he's doing in a real club environment because I trust what they're doing. But I do 
there are a few things I want to do, and I want to do it in a way that he still has autonomy to make his own decisions and do it. But if I tried to replicate that in the training environment, mm, it'd be very difficult. What would be more advantageous is for him to practice those moves that he's going to need to have in his locker uh, uh, over and over again. Which brings me to another point. There is a divergence in mm, theories of change philosophies that I think uh, that I'm trying to get started. And I don't meet very many people. I don't actually don't meet anybody. So it might just be me in my closet who see this. Actually, I do. I, I have one other friend uh, that sees it. Uh, yeah, that, that, that we see it, but no one else seems to see it. And I'm actually worried because I'm like, man, I'm not a soccer guy. So if I'm seeing I'm, I'm I have to be wrong. I have to be wrong because I'm not even a soccer guy. But anyways, um, the reason I'm begging you to just block out all the noise that you hear from people within the profession talking to each other. So another example, I know I'm rambling, but like decision making. You know, when they're when they're talking about that, they're assuming that they're teams. So, you know, when they say you need to implement a drill with decision making and blah, 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 they're assuming that you're in a in a team environment. There are some drills, there are many drills you can do. They're reactionary drills, they're drills you can do to encourage decision making. You can, there's a lot of stuff you can do one-on-one, unopposed to uh, encourage quote unquote decision making. But remember, improving decision making or anything that is not measurable per se is not where your biggest value add is. Because as the parent trainer, you're only stepping in for the individual. So, yeah, if the individual wants to do it, you could get some technology so that the individual doesn't know. Like there's some the apps out there that maybe go to this color or that color or do that and that. But even that is just a technical exercise to keep them getting their heads up and stuff. And I actually believe even that is better served in a team environment where there are real consequences for making the wrong uh, decision. For example, you lose the small side of game or something you're trying to do. So I lost my train of thought a little bit. So, so okay, so let me just go to the grand finale. So I'm begging the parents listening to this. Now, there are going to be one or two parents that don't follow, one or two parents with one or two kids who don't fall into this category. But my children and the other 99% of you guys out here listening fall into this category. Your child is not technical enough. Let me, actually, let me correct that. Your child is not technical enough yet. Your child may be technical. And if you listen to this, your child is probably more technical than the other little fellows and girls around them in their area, especially if you're in the States. But your child is not technical enough this may sound harsh and unfair, and what am I basing this on? I'm just extrapolating from what I have seen on the East Coast of America. 
And so maybe if you don't live on the East Coast of America, you're not involved in all this stuff, you might say, yeah, that's just, that's just them, it's not us. But that's been my experience, right? And remember, this is the negativity tour that I'm making, you know, the, un, un, the unpopular opinion tour that I'm making. And my hypothesis is when they become three, four times more technical than they are now, many of these problems that you're trying to solve will magically work themselves out. For example, my youngest son, I had big issues with getting him to go to his um, right, right? Big issues. He's left-footed, just always wants to go to his left. I talked to him about it. You know, I do a few things here and there, but what are we doing? We're doing the reps. So he gets thousands and thousands of reps with his right foot across a spectrum of nearly 24 different um, training modules within the program. And lo and behold, mysteriously, this summer, I mean, not this summer, this year when he started the season, he's starting to go to his right more and more. Repetitions start with becoming technical, where your foot and your mind and the rest of your body are one. Don't stress your child out about all this other stuff if they don't have what I call a rock solid foundation. Which brings me to my final point. There are going to be a couple of you out here listening that don't, that this does not apply to, and I apologize in advance. But again, for the other 99.999% of us listening, your child is not that advanced technically you need to focus relentlessly on what other people consider the basics. And when you do that, you need to analyze those basics at the most rudimentary level. Your team is not going to have your child pass the ball with their uh, non-dominant foot five, uh, five feet from the other child, one touch as quickly as they can in 30 seconds with the expectation that there's gonna be no mistakes. You are the only person that can do that. So do I work on vision and you know decision-making and all that kind of stuff? To a degree, but not very much. I put them in a club environment that I trust. And then other little team stuff that I need them to do, I'll supplement in some other team environment where they have autonomy. So where I can give them some instruction and they have autonomy to uh, execute on their own with the understanding that they're gonna make many, many mistakes. So that is my um, soapbox. Uh, I, and I just, I'm just, I'm gonna go. I'm, I just want our parents to be liberated to say, man, you know, all this stuff I'm worried about, gold team and vision and, you know, players not passing the ball and spatial awareness and position to play, all that stuff I'm worried about, I don't have to worry about it anymore. Only things I need to be focused on is maximum repetitions in the shortest period of time, aerial control, becoming masterful 
three, four, five thousand um, juggler. Now that's not to say you have to do that, but you could if that's what you your child wanted to do. Um, two footed, a growth mindset, and uh, and a focus on on the micro details under the umbrella that you're not driving your child completely crazy and you're doing it in a way that once your child gets about 13, they will start taking this stuff over for themselves. So this is Neil with um, Anytime Soccer Training. Uh, you know, check out anytime-soccer.com to join the main list and get seven, seven ball mastery videos sent straight to your inbox. You can check out the application for free and see if you like it. You know, I got, I'm in two minds with trying to my best. I'm, I'm, uh, I am in two minds with trying to be authentic with people because, you know, on one hand, I want to, I want you to like me because that increases your ability. That increases your chances of uh, trusting me to use the product and me make some money. But on the other hand, I just got to keep it real with you. I have to keep it, uh, and if I don't, and if you don't like me, then I'm sorry, but I just, I got to keep it real with you, and I got to keep it real with my boys, and they're going to listen to this. Adam and Matthew, you're not technical enough yet. You're not advanced yet. You are not too good to do toe tap soul roll. You're not too good to dribble through a line of cones. And don't listen to anybody who tells you that this stuff doesn't apply to the game because we got the video to prove it. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your week. Let's get better together.